0: This is Matt. I'm the lead pastor of Westminster Baptist Church. Thanks for engaging God's word with us. Uh, My prayer for you is that this would be supplemental to your discipleship journey. Uh, If we can connect you with a local church or discipleship group, uh, please contact us at info at And we're going to be in Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 36. And I want you to be able to walk away this morning knowing that The Spirit of God is in you and empowering you to preach the Word of God into all nations. You see, when Moses and the Israelites were growing, there was too many Israelites for Moses to work with and to... Uh, speak the gospel into the the words that God had instructed him to give to the Israelites. And so God tells him, he says, find a group of elders, get a large group of elders and empower them to instruct the people. Give them, empower them to be able to instruct God's word to the people. Right? And, and God says, okay, I'm going to give a portion of the Holy Spirit that's been put into you to them so that they might go with the power to be able to do what they've been called to do. And so What we see here, even at the beginning, is that the power of God through the Holy Spirit empowers people to be able to share the good news of Jesus Christ. At that time, it was whatever God had given them to be able to give to the people. And I want you to be able to walk away again this morning knowing this, that the Spirit of God in you is the power that you need to be able to declare the gospel, declare the good news of Jesus Christ into the world. You see, what happened at Pentecost, if we ask the question, like, what what took place I think we see at least two things. The first is this, the Spirit of God came down. Doing what God said he would do, he did it. The Spirit of God comes, and second, the people stand up and preach. So the Spirit of God comes, people experience this, and then they stand up and they proclaim the gospel to the world. I I think it's fascinating as a church to look into this and to, to try to think through, okay, how do you go, so 50 days, how do you go from the crucifixion and Passover to Pentecost where no one would stand up for Christ and then everyone starts to stand up for Christ. Like when you dig into that, all you can do is explain it by this. Jesus did raise from the dead and the spirit did come because for some reason people were mobilized, thousands of people were mobilized to proclaim the gospel message. Next week, Pastor Glenn's gonna share with you the effects of Pentecost, but this week I wanna focus on what happened when the spirit came in that moment, what happened to these, this group of people. Acts chapter two, verses one through 36. When the day of Pentecost had arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly a sound like that of a violent rushing wind came from heaven and it filled the whole house where they were staying. And so we already start to see that God is fulfilling what he said he would do. The sound of a rushing wind in the Old Testament, it was preparing us, prophesying for us, a time where the spirit breathed out on us. Just in Genesis 1 and 2, when, uh, when the Holy Spirit is, breathes into us life, the breath of God breathes into us life. Now God is pouring out his spirit like a breath, like a wind into the people to bring back life from death to life, from graves into gardens. In verse 3, it says... They saw tongues like flames of fire that separated and rested on each one of them. We see in the Old Testament often uh, a picture of flames or fire uh, as representing God, which typically don't we represent fire with uh, the devil? We think about when we think about fire, we think about the devil. But think about God is an all-consuming fire. God is in the burning bush. He's... um, present in that burning bush. He goes through the wilderness and protects them as this fire in the night to guard them. He's before us and behind us and around us. Like God is this all consuming fire consistently throughout scripture. But the cool thing about the fire is that the temple would have a flame above it to represent that God's presence was there. So they would know that God's presence was in the temple when there was this, uh, they would see this and experience this flame above the temple. So you fast forward to Acts chapter 2 and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit poured out on the people and there's flames above all the people to say that now the temple has been shifted into people's lives. God's presence will no longer dwell in just a building, but God's presence will dwell in the people. Verse 4, then they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in different tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were Jews staying in Jerusalem, devout people from every nation under heaven, which just automatically you're just thinking like this is, is this not the picture of what heaven will look like? all people from all nations in one place. It says they are just together in one place, waiting to hear from the Lord. And all of a sudden they experience three things. They experience what they see, what they hear, and what they can say. It's totally different. And they're all gathered in one place from every nation. Verse six, when this sound occurred, a crowd came together and was confused because each one of them heard them speaking in his own language. They were astounded and amazed saying, look, aren't all those who are speaking Galileans? Like how can Galileans speak in every single language? Verse eight, how is it that each of us can hear them in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, those who live in Mesopotamia and Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Persia, and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, Both Jews and converts, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the magnificent acts of God in our own tongues. They were all astounded and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But some sneered and said, They're drunk on new wine. Which is the natural response to every miracle we see in Scripture, right? It's either like, Okay, we understand, or Nope, they're drunk. Like, you just have... Really, but as, as human beings, like we have the, this natural like response to what God is doing to doubt. Like there must be some physical explanation to what is happening in this place. The people tried to make up excuses for what happened with the resurrection. Somebody stole his body. They try to make up excuses for what happened at Pentecost. Maybe these people were just drunk. So they're trying to make explanations for what is the supernatural. But I love what, what what Peter's about to do for us when he stands up and he proclaims this gospel message. But first, I want you to reflect on this. There's three experiences they have here. First, they hear sounds, which fulfill the old testament they see flames which fulfills the old testament there's gonna be new temple we are the temple of god we've been filled with the holy spirit so here and see and they're also speaking the gospel to the nations which you know so cool that acts chapter two is the fulfillment of genesis 11 right Where in Genesis 11, all the nations have new new languages and they can't understand each other and they can't work together to accomplish what God has given them. Now in Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 36, it's the reversal. Now everyone can understand each other, no no longer confused, but can understand. And I think this is a critical point to how we understand verses 1 through 13 especially. Sometimes people want to dig into this and they want to like find out like, okay, what, is t- what, are tongues, what do tongues mean? How, you know, do, does each one of us have to have these things? Is this proof of our salvation? All these different things. But I want you to see the point of the passage. The point of the passage is not tongues or flames or sounds. The point of the passage is what God has called them to do, they are able to do, not on their own strength, but on the strength of God. They didn't bring about wind, rushing wind into their room. They didn't bring flames above their head and they didn't help people from all nations understand it in, one, in their own native tongue. It's God's miraculous effort that is making people not confused, not a heavenly language, but a language that people on the earth can understand. Isn't that fascinating? It's not actually a language of the, uh, outside of themselves, it's a language within themselves. It's the ability to understand. Can I, I think about it like this too. Uh, I feel like Peter, you know, in the disciples, Jesus says, go into all the nations and proclaim the gospel. And I wonder if like some of them are sitting there like, I don't, how are we gonna preach the gospel to the Cyrenians? Like, I don't know that language. I don't even know what language they spoke. Uh, I, the Mesopotamians, the Egyptians, like I don't, I don't know, understand how to speak their language, Jesus. How am I gonna preach the gospel to them? Like we're gonna have to learn these languages. And then all of a sudden they just stand up, they preach the message and everyone's able to understand them. Like that's the power of my God. I've heard so many people say, and they're so fearful of the word preach. And it sort of breaks my heart because I think we've created a person that preaches in a church that listens. And I think that's very detrimental to the gospel because think about this. If you're afraid of me saying you should go preach, I want you to think about this. It's not Peter's ability to preach and it's not the disciple's ability to preach that allows them to be heard. It's the spirit of God. It's the spirit of God that helps the people to understand what they're saying. And so when we're fearful of preaching, remember what Peter did. In verse 14, it says, Peter stood up. Like, just stop there. Peter stood up. Think about the boldness that it took. If you were here last week, you remember this. The same Peter who was denying Jesus is now the one who stood up in front of the disciples to lead them, to do what God had called them to do. But now, not only is he standing up in front of the disciples, he's standing up in front of the thousands of people in front of him. We know it's thousands of uh, people because later on, we see that thousands of people come to know Jesus because of this. So Peter is literally standing in front of the thousands of people who had been there during Passover into Pentecost, 50 days after we, th- we have these people here. And so I want you to think about this. Was there anybody in that, was there anybody in that place who might've heard G- Peter deny Jesus? Now it's all speculation, doesn't say in scripture, so I'm not going to put it in a scripture, but I, in my mind, I think about you and I think about what you may be going through. And I think about if you have a fear of preaching, a fear of, proclaiming the gospel wherever you are if some of that fear might be well these people know who I am they know who I was you see nothing should hold you back from preaching but everything should lead to repentance so that you can preach Peter preached because Peter repented and it says in verse 14 Peter stood up it's everything that God had called him to do just Peter stand up and preach to the nations and so Peter stood up And sometimes I think we just need to stand up. Have you ever seen the movie Sandlot? Yeah. Man, finally, I found a group that's excited about Sandlot. I've asked every group, and people are like, no, I don't really remember that one. Okay, how many people, just raise your hand. How many people have seen, oh, perfect, thank you. All right, this illustration is going to stick now. Um, So uh, Smalls, you're killing me, Smalls, right? Smalls is trying to find some friends, so he gets a baseball team. Uh, that he knows there. And he's trying to kind of get to know them. But there's this one guy, Benny, who's like really good at baseball and Smalls is awful, right? Cannot hit the ball, cannot do anything right, cannot catch a ball. He's just terrible. So Benny's cracking home runs and all of a sudden they lose the baseball that they were playing with. Anybody gonna watch Sandlot because I've said this? If you haven't seen it, close your ears because I'm gonna tell you what happens. They crack a home run. It goes out, it goes out uh, into the yard of the old man with this massive dog, right? English Mastiff, I think is what it was. Okay, yep. English Mastiff, I think they called him the beast, right? Okay, so the beast comes out growling and you see like a hundred baseballs that have been chewed up, right? He loves it. He's waiting for them to hit the home run. The ball goes over the fence. The, the Mastiff's eating the, eating the ball and, and just gonna destroy it. But Smalls is like, you know what? I can't hit the ball, can't catch the ball, but I'm gonna provide a baseball today. I'm going to save the team. So he goes to his stepfather's uh, kind of collection of baseballs, right? And he grabs one baseball. And who's it signed by? Babe Ruth, Babe Ruth the great Bambino is what they say. So the first service didn't know Sandloth, but they knew Babe Ruth. I'm assuming y'all know Sandlot, but not Babe Ruth. So we'll just move on with that. Babe Ruth is one of the best baseball players of all time. But anyways, it's signed by the great Bambino. And so they're like, we're not going to use that. We can't use that. But they don't re- recognize what Smalls is doing. So he provides this baseball. They start playing. They crack another home run. It goes into the f- over the fence into where the beast is, right? And so now the fear is, and the, all the guys are around him like, are you kidding me? You let us use a ball with the great Bambino signature? And they're like, we've got to get this ball back. And I think it's Benny who puts on, I, I think I messed this up before, but doesn't Benny, isn't Benny the one who tries to jump over the fence and get the ball? I don't think it's Smalls. So Benny needs to run faster and jump higher. So what does he got to do? He got to put on them PF Flyers. (laughs) So this morning I'm wearing my PF Flyers. (laughs) These are the shoes they wore. Adidas, I think it's Adidas, maybe Reebok, you check me on this, brought back the PF Flyers. I was like, I've got to get them because I'm gonna run faster, jump higher. Maybe I'll be able to dunk one day. And they are awful, like the worst shoes ever. They're so terrible, and they're not even comfortable, so. <laughs> um, but I'm wearing them today to show you something. So it says, "Run, uh, run. you're going to run fast, you're going to jump higher. I wore them during basketball. I came away with blisters all over my feet, and I could not jump at all. So they don't work. But here's the cool thing about them. I think everybody in the world is looking for something to make them run faster, jump higher, right? Something to prolong their life, something to make them feel better, healthier, all these different things. We look at everything that we maybe can put on ourselves to make us better. For Benny, it was, let's put on the PF fire so we can run faster, jump higher. There's something about that story that just reminds me what, what we put on, Right? It says, put on the garment, put on the Holy Spirit, let the Holy Spirit live in you. Because the Holy Spirit's not like PFI, is not gonna make you run faster, jump higher, but what does the Holy Spirit do? We know in this passage, when you, the Holy Spirit lives in you, it causes you to preach. Like above anything else, you may say, man, I don't get it. Like, I don't know if I'm supposed to preach, I don't know if I'm supposed to teach, I'm not, I don't know, but I, here's what I do know. If you believe in Jesus, when the Holy Spirit comes into you, you do what Peter does. You stand up. So verse 14, it says, Peter stood up with the 11, raised his voice and proclaimed to them, fellow Jews and all you residents of Jerusalem, which you can see the difference there. The fellow Jews are those who are scattered around the nations and they've come into this one place. We just listed all of them. So he's got a a plethora of different languages out there, different people from different people groups, and they're all in one place. And he says, fellow Jews and those of you who are residents in Jerusalem, And I love what he says here, because just for clarification, he says, pay attention to my words, for these people are not drunk, as you suppose, since it's only nine in the morning. Let me just clarify to you, what's happening is not drunkenness. And I think actually from that stems the sermon. Because look at what he goes into. He says, for these people are not drunk. On the contrary, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. And it will be in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all people. Then your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. I will even pour out my spirit on my servants in those days. And notice this, both men and women will Prophesy. These people are preaching, proclaiming, speaking. I don't care what you want to put there. They are sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. Verse 19, I will display wonders in the heaven above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and a cloud of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood. Uh, before the great and glorious day of the Lord comes, and look at this, verse 21, what happens when you do what God's called you to do? What happens when you preach the gospel in all the nations? It says, verse 21, then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. When there's, they think, man, these people must be drunk, and then he's like, no, 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 let me tell you what's happening. There's a miracle taking place here. What God said he would do, he is doing. It's not drunkenness, it's a miracle. And when miracles happen, things take place that nobody can explain. And so people are saved. Verse 22, fellow Israelites, listen to these words. This Jesus of Nazareth was a man attested to you by God with miracles, wonders, and signs that God did among you through him, just as you yourselves know. And like, just pause there for a moment and think about what he's just said. He said, okay, God said he would pour out the spirit and he did it. He did it through his son, Jesus Christ, who performed miracles in front of you. And now see where that leads you to, okay? Jesus performed miracles in front of you, verse 23. Though he was delivered up according to God's determined plan and foreknowledge, you used lawless people to nail him to a cross and kill him, right? Miracles happen, the crucifixion. In this place, place a miracle happens called Pentecost, and they say you must be drunk, right? Right? Every time something, God does something, the people want to turn against it. They want to figure out ways to confront it. So when Jesus comes and lives a perfect life and does miracles, they're like, let's kill him. When the disciples uh, are just uh, immersed in the Holy Spirit, they're like, man, these guys must be drunk. There's something wrong with them. And subsequently, people try to kill them. Everyone wants to stop the work of God from taking place. But it says in verse 24, verse 24, God raised him up, ending the pains of death because it was not possible for him to be held by death. For David says of him, I saw the Lord ever before me because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. Moreover, my flesh will rest in hope. I have a hope that is not my own because there is a Savior who raised from the dead. And I want you to see this too. He says... God did what he said he would do. He sent his son who performed miracles and you rejected him. And then God performed a miracle because you rejected him, right? Miracle, rejection, okay, raise him from the dead so that you might have hope, right? He says, so that you have this hope that is within you that when people ask you, you can say there is a hope in me and you can give an account for it. That is sharing the gospel, speaking the truth. There's something in you that wasn't in you before and you needed to tell people about it. He says, therefore my heart is glad. In uh, Old Testament teaching and even through Greco-Roman history, good news or gospel was kind of like what they would say is like glad tidings. It was, it was you sharing what you're glad about. So church, what are you glad about? What do you have hope in? What has brought you from death into life? What is your PF flyers, if you will? What is that thing that is inside of you that you're willing to say? There's something in me that is making me do what I'm doing, not because of my strength, not because of my words, not because of my knowledge, but because the spirit of God is in me, I'm proclaiming the truth of God. He says, you have revealed the path of life to me, verse 28, you will fill me with gladness in your presence. Not only is the spirit of God in us, but he is with us. And there's a difference there. You're not using the Spirit of God for power or for works. The Spirit of God is in you because the presence of God is with you. If you're not looking for relationship, but you're just looking for works and for power, you've missed what the Holy Spirit is bringing. Verse 29, Brothers and sisters, I can confidently speak to you about the patriarch David. He is both dead and buried, and his tomb is with us to this day. Since he was a prophet, he knew that God has sworn had sworn an oath to him to seat one on his descend one of his descendants on his throne seeing what was to come he spoke concerning the resurrection of the messiah he was not abandoned in hades and his flesh did not experience decay god has raised this jesus we are all witnesses of this which is so cool because verse 32 is kind of like, 32 kind of tells the people it's like you know jesus raised from the dead you guys have heard about it, and probably some of them, because it says he appeared to over 500 people. Probably some of them actually had seen Jesus. So those people out there who are like, "Yeah, uh, Jesus performed miracles on Earth. Jesus died and then was raised from the dead, and now these people who have flames above them and and uh, are speaking in a tongue that we can all understand. Yep, all that's true, and we believe that because again, how do you take people who were denying Jesus and put them on a cross and make them preachers? The Holy Spirit. Verse 33, Therefore, therefore, since he has been exalted to the right hand of God and has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit, he has poured out what you both see and hear. Again, that experience, see and hear. They are speaking truth that people are seeing and hearing, flames above them and words that they can understand. Verse 34, For it was not David who ascended into the heavens, but he himself says, The Lord declared to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. I think it's so cool that Peter can say this because what was Peter hoping for? Peter wanted to sit at the right and left hand of Jesus. He's like, Jesus, when, who? who, James and John say this and Peter's off in the behind, but but Peter uh, Peter wants to know why Jesus is going to die on the cross. So they all kind of struggle with this. And it's like, who's going to sit at your right and left hand? Right, we've talked about this before. It's in Mark chapter 10. Who's going to sit at your right and left hand like, and the the disciples are kind of jealous. They're like, "Why did James and John get to sit up there? We want to sit at the right hand." Peter has now taken his place on earth while Jesus has taken his place in heaven. That's what the spirit of God does. Peter took his place in on earth and stood up and preached the gospel. Jesus took his place in heaven on his throne and poured out the Holy Spirit. In verse 36, he says, therefore, let all the house of Israel know with certainty that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. Peter preaches that Jesus is the Lord and Messiah after he's denied Jesus three times. This is what happens when the Holy Spirit comes into people. They preach truth. They have life they are empowered to stand in front of people who just killed Jesus, they do it. So I want you to remember as you go out today, the spirit of God is in you to empower you to proclaim the gospel message of Jesus to all nations. What does this mean to us? It means two things. First, God is in you. Second, God is with you. God is in you and it causes you to preach because look at Peter, the man stood up, but also look at the people. In Numbers 11, verse 29, remember when I, I was telling you that story about Moses? He selected the elders, and the portion of the Spirit was placed on him so that they could prophesy to the people. This is what they say in verse 29 about that decision. They're, they're all jealous, and they're like, man, we want, we want to be the ones who get to prophesy. And, and more importantly, Moses, you should be the one who gets all the leadership and all the power and all the authority to, to tell the people God's word. And when they say that and they get that in their heart, Moses responds with this. It says, but Moses asked him, are you jealous on my account? If only all the Lord's people were prophets and the Lord would place his spirit on them. Even at the time of Moses, this was prophesied like that the people of God would have the spirit on them so that they could tell the world the words of God, tell the world the good news. In Joel chapter two, verse 28, it says, after this, I will pour out my spirit on all humanity and then your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your sons and daughters will prophesy because the Holy Spirit is in them. And they start to tell the people the good news of Jesus Christ. Whatever God's word is, that's what your sons and daughters do when the Holy Spirit is in them. So literally what we are seeing take place at Pentecost is the spirit being poured out so that everybody will go out. The way it's said in Acts chapter eight is this. In verse four, it says, so those who were scattered went on their way preaching the word. In Hebrews, it tells us to gather together. In Acts chapter eight, verse four, after you've gathered together, you're scattered out. I love that because all these people who came to Pentecost from different nations go to all the different nations. And so if there was any doubt, like, How will the gospel get to all the nations? How will they make disciples of all the nations? How will we do this? Look at what happens at Pentecost. The Spirit comes upon them. Peter stands up. Thousands turn to him. And then they scatter. And where do they go? To their own nations. And what do they do? Preach in their nations. The gospel moves forward. The gospel was not just for one nation. It's not a tribal religion. It's for all nations. And God is fulfilling it through the Spirit. But he's using you. I think he's using this church. God is in you to raise you up with power and boldness and strength and the words to say and giving people the clarity to understand you. But he is also with you. How sweet is it to know that God, the God who walked among us but when we sinned was separated from us is now with us again. That is why the Holy Spirit was poured out. God's with us, Emmanuel. God with us. He is God in us who causes us to preach. He's God with us who brings us comfort. I you think about this when, whenever, if you ever get in a, a place where you're struggling with God's will for your life, what you're supposed to do next, you're just in a season. You're just like, "What am I doing? Where am I supposed to go?" All these different things. Remember what Jesus said to his disciples: "It is better that I go." because I'm going to be sending something to you. And what does he call it? He says, the counselor, the comforter, that one who's going to be with you in the difficult seasons. When he says to the disciples, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, he tells them to do two things, teach and baptize. Remember, teach. He told them to go teach. You're going to preach, teach, speak. I don't care what you call it, but you're going to do it. And what does he say at the end? He says, and I'm going to be with you until the end of the age. Christ is in you to give you the power, but he is with you to bring comfort and to bring control and to bring chaos into control, misunderstanding understanding, into understanding. He's going to give you what you need and be the presence that you need at the same time. So remember, the Holy Spirit is with you and in you to empower you to preach the gospel in all nations, to stand up and be bold. Two responses for you as the team comes forward. First, would you speak the good news of Jesus Christ to someone? I, challenge, I, I know I challenge this a lot, but I have to consistently say this, I think, because the Scripture consistently says this. Would you just share the gospel with one person? This, whatever you want to call it. I don't care what you want to call it. Share, speak, preach, teach, prophesy. I don't care. What's important is take the gospel message of Jesus Christ, communicate it to someone who is in desperate need of life. Would you share the good news of Jesus Christ with someone this week? And second, would you believe the good news of Jesus Christ? If there's somebody in this room and you may have been in church a long time, you may have never been to church. This may be one of your first times. You may be struggling with what you believe or you may have believed for a long time. Here's what I wanna put before you, this truth. There were people who didn't believe Jesus, but because of the resurrection and because of Pentecost, they are now giving their lives up for Jesus in this text something took place that drove these people to believe in Jesus. I hope that what you will see, hear, experience, I hope that what you speak and what you do, where you go and everything that you encounter will point to the truth of Jesus Christ, that you will see it so clearly that Jesus gave up his life on the cross, raised from the dead so that you would have life. And if you don't understand the significance of that, I want you to look in, dig deep into what you're doing with your life, doing with what others are doing with their lives. Look at the world and ask this question, what would make this world fixed? Like, how do we fix this thing? How do we solve this issue? And as you dig deeper and dig deeper and dig deeper into that, I want you to think about this. What if someone came? and forgave the world, forgave them of their sins, forgave them of their struggles? And what if, God, what if this, this thing, this person, this God, would give them what they needed to be able to live a life of love, live a life of, of grace and giving others mercy? What if there was something that came that empowered them to not live with hate but to live with love? Just think about it. What would it take to take brokenness and make it whole? What would it take to make death into life? What would it take to forgive a broken man like me and like you? Jesus. He is the answer. And when Peter stands up, he doesn't stand up because of Peter. He stands up because of Jesus, because the Holy Spirit is in him. So church, stand up would we stand up boldly and preach the gospel message of Jesus Christ? Let me pray for you. Father, we need you. We need your strength. We need your boldness. We need your courage. We need your words. We need you to constantly commission us, to constantly tell us that what we're doing is what we need to be doing. God, we need direction. And sometimes, Father, like Peter needed, we just need forgiveness to be able to stand up without guilt. Father, give us the gift of faith. Help us to be assured of what has taken place. God, I pray that your spirit would be poured out onto this place so that there might be clarity, not confusion, but clarity upon what you're doing. I pray, God, that the world would clearly hear what we're saying. That as we sing this song, what a beautiful name, that even though we know what that name is and we can hear it clearly and proclaim it clearly, I pray, God, that the world would hear clearly the name of Jesus. And Father, I pray right now in this moment that if there's anybody in this room that has not turned to you, I pray, God, that you would make it so evident what your spirit does. I pray, God, that you would pour out your spirit upon them, that you would move in their lives, that you would urge them, draw them near to you. In your will, Father, whatever you want, we are here. You move, convict our hearts and compel us to do what you have for us. We love you and praise you in your son's name, amen. have any questions about the sermon or would like to know more about following after jesus uh, please contact us and we would love to talk more about your relationship with christ and how you can grow in your spiritual journey